Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, and I'll begin there. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So this is dealing with the brother who has gone out of the way. He's, he's overtaken in a fault, which is referring to some sort of a sinful pattern of behavior. Maybe it's just uh, getting out of church and you need to go and to see them and say, hey, we, we would like to have you come back to the church and to bring you back into obedience with God's word and back into our fellowship. Just encourage them in that way. Just want to encourage you to repent of this and to come back to fellowship with the Lord and with the church. That's an example of that. But I read that because it says, in the spirit of meekness, meekness. So we ought to be gentle with everybody. Um, be kind, be patient. So I have a, a theme tonight. My theme is this. Are you ready? It's going to knock your socks off. How to discipline a pastor. That's my theme tonight. How to discipline a pastor. First of all, in the spirit of meekness. Then also turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, please. And uh, we'll pick up 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. Uh, we'll pick up reading in verse 17 and read down to verse uh, 21. So this is the work of a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's the heading that C.I. Schofield put on this chapter. The great thing about the Schofield Bible, I think, is its, it's uh, outlines. The headings on the chapters and the sections in the books, they're just, I think, golden they're very helpful for the study of the Word of God. I don't agree with all the notes that are in there, but the best thing about the Schofield Study Bible is the, uh, the outlines. But we'll begin reading in verse number 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Well, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. So he's quoting Old Testament scripture to back up what he's saying and teaching. And the laborer is worthy of his reward, or his hire, it says in the Old Testament. Against an elder, receive not an accusation. Elder is just interchangeable for pastor. Elder, bishop, pastor, they're all the same word, speaks of one office, so they're used interchangeably in the New Testament for a pastor of a church. So against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, rebuke. Now, when it says them that sin, it's talking about elders, pastors. Them that sin, rebuke before all, for the whole church, that others, other Christians in the church, that others also may fear. And then he says, I charge these, talking to Timothy, you know. Timothy's got the job of setting things in order in the churches. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. All right, I have a brief word of prayer and then we'll just give the sense of these verses real quick, make some applications. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. I thank you for using 
Lord, a sinner saved by grace, called to preach for using me uh, to help your people and to uh, bring those girls to salvation. And we praise you tonight because you're a wonderful savior. We're great sinners, but Lord, you're a great savior. And Lord, we wanna do our best to abide by your word. So I pray that you'd speak to us tonight and that you'd uh, rule your church through your word and through your pastor. And Father, I pray that you'd bless and give us understanding in these things. Help us to uh, do things that would make you look down upon us and smile and be pleased. Uh, Lord, I know I'm talking to your children and I just thank you for the great privilege that it is. And it's only in the worthy name of Jesus Christ that we could be, be together like this. It's in his name we pray, amen, amen. So discipline is a word that has a negative connotation to our contemporary ears. I mean, it just sounds negative. Um, nevertheless, the Bible gives us uh, rules for church discipline. And in this case, even the discipline of a pastor, there are rules to follow, okay? And um, for the purpose of our study tonight, we're gonna look at these uh, and, and how we're to confront a pastor who's guilty of persistent open sin, something that's obviously wrong, something that's ongoing is the, is the idea of the verb there, sin. It's an ongoing thing. And, uh, and uh, how to do it. So there's rules. And we find them right here in verse number 17. You find, uh, it says here, let the elders that rule, well, be counted worthy of double honor. Now, it's the job of a pastor to rule the church. Um, elder, same thing as a pastor. That's, that's their job, to rule the church. Um, the qualifications for a pastor, 1 Timothy 3, you know, the, he, the, the man is supposed to rule his own house well. If he doesn't rule his house, and if his children are unruly, he's not qualified to be a pastor, Right? Same thing with a deacon. A deacon has to rule his own house. That means in the home, dad is the leader, okay? For a pastor to rule the flock, what does it mean? What does it not mean? Because believe me, this one's abused. My wife grew up in this kind of a church where the pastor abused his authority. But to rule means to lead the flock, all right? To take charge. That's what the pastor does. To lead, as I've said, with this, to lead with the word of God and to lead by example. Um, so therefore, if he's not leading with example, then that's an issue, right? If he's not doing that. But it does not mean dominating control. It does not mean that. Jesus said you're not to lord it over the flock like the Gentiles do. Don't lord it over. So in other words, I'm not here to dominate you or to, uh, to uh, intimidate you, you know, or anything like that, or to control you. I just persuade. And if you get out of line with the word of God, then my job is to uh, come and to sometimes rebuke sharply sometimes, but more often just to nudge you back in the right direction, teach you the word of God to show you uh, the standard. So what you usually have is you usually have the, the pastor trying to keep a straight rule. This is what the Bible teaches. You know, it's the plumb line. 
of truth. And, and so we want to measure our lives up against that to find out if we're plumb or, you know, if we're straight or if we're crooked or out of line. And this is what happens. The pastor tries to bring somebody along with it. And eventually there's something that they'll find in the word of God that they don't like. And then they'll veer off like this. Or it might just be something as simple as church attendance. And they, they go off at Hebrews 10.25. And then our job, not just the pastor's job, but anyone that's spiritual, is to approach them in a spirit of meekness and say, let me bring you back in line with this. But you need to repent of this. And you see, you've got to be spiritual to do it. In other words, if you're not setting the example, it's not going to be received very well. But it's not a dominating control. And all I can do is go to that person and say, what you ought to do is to repent of this and come back in line with God's word. I can't force them. Now you say, who would ever force them? That's the, it's church history, both Catholic and Protestant, especially when, uh, uh, you know, when Spain was in power. It's a good thing that England uh, took over and became the world power. And it's a good thing it wasn't Spain because everywhere that Spain went, they went with the Inquisition and at, at the point of a sword, they forced people to convert to Catholicism. And if they wouldn't, you know, it would be death. They converted people at the sword. So it's either you get baptized into the church or else we're going to burn your house down and kill your family. Now, that's not biblical rule, but that's what's happened. Now, back to our context, deacons do not lead a church. Deacons who are trying to rule a church are completely out of line with scripture. So if you've been accustomed to a church where the deacons set the pastor straight, you have departed from this because nowhere in here will you ever find that deacons are supposed to rule a church. I, I challenge you to find it and show it to me. And the deacons do not control the pastor. No, the pastor is the one that's told to rule, not deacons, not committees, not committee leaders, not trustees. The pastor rules the church with the word of God, okay? Um, wives of husbands, when their husbands are ruling the home like Christ loved the church, laying down their lives to serve their, their wives and servant leaders and serve their children and pouring out their lives, their, ble their blood, their sweat, their tears to lead their, their family, any woman would be glad to follow a man like that. And, and then, then she can just say, honey, you're following the Lord, so I'm going to follow you as you follow the Lord. And if you get us in trouble, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, you can do that with a pastor. Don't call me honey. But you can say, pastor, you're supposed to follow the Lord, and we're going to follow you as you follow the Lord. But uh, if you get us in trouble and you make the wrong decision, it's on you, the judgment seat of Christ, as far as leadership goes. And then we'll, we'll get into congregational rule because that's part of it too. You have a congregational vote, okay? That is biblical. But if a pastor is leading a church and, and doesn't have the example to follow, then that's a problem. Or if a pastor is harsh with his people, harsh. Now you can be authoritative, but not harsh. Shouldn't be. Then that's an issue, you know? And, and I realize you're looking at me and you're like, you're the age of my children, and I realize it must be, you know, I'm sensitive to that. I am. And, and I always want to be respectful. And uh, I don't know that I always do that perfectly. But 
and I realize that, but and it's a lot of people don't even need pastored. But but I would hope that if you feel like that about me, I would hope that at least you could ex- respect me for the amount of time that I put into the word, or or respect me for the office sake, and then just say, you know what, for the future of the gospel and for uh, the future of just. Christian work and, and the church and souls being saved, I'm going to get behind this young man and just pray for him and, and pray that God would help him to grow and, and to mature and, you know, become more biblical. So, so I understand that. Um, you know, churches call, especially independent Baptist churches, because we try to base our, our practice on the Bible. Churches call their own pastors a pastor never takes the authority over a group. It's always at the consent of the whole. They, they call a pastor and say, we want you to be our pastor. And they also dismiss their own pastors. That's the church's job. Congregational vote if there's a problem. Therefore, I'm accountable to the church as a whole, not to a deacon board, not to a trustee board, not to a committee or a board of committee member or committee heads or so on and so forth. I'm not accountable to a denomination for that matter. I'm accountable to the Lord and to you, the people that I serve, the whole church. You say, where do you get that from? Because he says that if you have an accusation that uh, and, and the, the pastor is found to be in sin, you're supposed to rebuke him before all. Now, who does he tell to rebuke? I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but Paul said, Timothy, you rebuke this elder that's sinning. You rebuke him before all. Now, what if in the case that we don't have another elder in the church? We don't have another ordained preacher in the church. Whose job would it be to rebuke the preacher in the church? Well, I suppose, first of all, it's got to be a man because Paul gave this to Timothy. It's got to be a man. And I think this, you say, well, it's probably uh, the longest, uh, the most, uh, the, the, the deacon that's the, the one with the most seniority, that person. Well, maybe, maybe, but I would say this. How about if you, like if you follow what Jesus said about church discipline, if you see somebody doing something that's wrong. It's your job to follow up on that. So it could be any man, as far as I'm concerned, in the church who sees a pastor doing something wrong. For example, if I'm a dad and I have kids and I know that a pastor's been abusing my child, guess whose job it's going to be to make sure that that pastor is rebuked before all? It's going to be my job as that dad. If you've got one stomach, one person who didn't talk to him, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's the same exact thing that's right here. Yes. That's the rules for church discipline for anybody. But but these rules here are different. They're specific. They follow that just exactly like what you just said. But these are different. So this is specifically how to discipline a pastor. So uh We'll look at those rules and you'll see they line right up with that. So I just want to say this. I'm accountable to the church, okay? And I won't be brought under the authority of a group of men who want to meet with me because I'm not under your rule. I'm accountable to the whole church.
You see where I'm getting with that? Now, verse number 19, against an elder, all right? Receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Now we find our first rule. <clears throat> our first rule. Number one, no disciplinary action should take place unless the charge or the accusation can be corroborated by two or three witnesses. In other words, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So <clears throat> if you want to take action against a pastor, you have to have this before you even do it. You've got to have a couple of witnesses. Well, we, we heard that pastor was doing this. Well, okay, hearsay is not enough. There has to be extra protection. You say, why? Well, because a pastor has a lead position and he's the most vulnerable out of everybody in the church and he's the one that the devil is gunning for. And the devil has good aim, his barrel's straight, his ammunition is dry, his powder's dry. And, and the pastor, like, like the lieutenant of a military outfit or the officers or the radio guy, they're, they're always targeted first by the snipers. Well, guess what? The devil targets pastors. And so there's extra precautionary steps here. And one is that if it's just hearsay, don't even hear it. If somebody just wants to say this, well, do you have a witness? Well, no, I just heard this. Do we have any witnesses? Well, no, I just heard it. Well, I don't want to hear it anymore. But if somebody says this and you say, well, you know what we need? The Bible says we need two witnesses. So I need two people at least or three better to corroborate this because sometimes this turns into a big legal thing and you'll see it in the newspaper pastors accused of of uh, inappropriate behavior with kids in the youth group or something like that you need two or three witnesses uh could be something smaller of course but um but you cannot take disciplinary action unless you can't just have uh you know hearsay now there are just accusations which you need to handle. There are just ones. Then there are unjust accusations. In other words, somebody's saying something and uh, you say, well, that's not a matter of church discipline like this because this is serious, all right? Rule number two, <clears throat> the meeting has to take place before all. Notice in uh, verse 20, them that sin, so you have two witnesses at least to, uh, you know, to corroborate the story. And, and if you say, well, we know they're guilty of sin because we have the witnesses. Okay, them that sin, a pastor that sins, how do you deal with them? In a room, apart? No, in the whole congregation, rebuke before all. I didn't make this up, okay? <clears throat> the meeting has to take place in front of everybody. You say, why? Well, because of those things that I said about me being accountable to all, about me being in leadership and no one being over me in the church except the Lord, which, uh, and also because Paul said, if you do this, it'll cause everybody to fear because they'll see how serious sin is and that we're accountable to each other. So um, rule number three, the matter uh, is a sin problem, okay? It's a sin problem. He says, them that sin and uh, that's talking about continual ongoing sin. Not just any sin, because I'm going to tell you, I sinned today. I did, and so did you, <laughs> you know. But it's, it's talking about a serious sin. So you say, what kind of sin? 
Well, it's an obvious, I mean, everybody knows it's an obvious sin. And it's a persistent sin, ongoing, okay? And it would harm the testimony or the witness of the church. That's what we're talking about. So a man who's a pastor, and we don't have any, well, we have, I'll be careful with my words. A man who's a pastor is involved in some sort of, uh, he has a moral failure with a woman in the church and it's not his wife, okay? That's an obvious persistent sin and it is gonna ruin the testimony and witness of the church. But if the church deals with it, the church keeps its good testimony. They're saying, we're not gonna allow that to go on. And the church keeps a good witness. Uh, it gives a black eye to, to the gospel though, certainly. But um, then if that's the case, you get your witnesses, you bring them before the church at any meeting, I would recommend not Sunday morning, but at any meeting. And during that meeting, a person stands up and says, uh, uh, Mr. So-and-so, because I don't know if it's really a serious thing. I don't know if I could call him pastor anymore. Mr. So-and-so, we have an accusation against you. And I have two witnesses. I have three witnesses. And, um, and it's been, you know, and you go on from there. That's how it's handled. It's not comfortable, but that's, that's how God wants us to do it. And uh, such a man must be publicly rebuked. Okay, that's <clears throat> rule number three. Uh, rule, rule number three is it's a matter of sin. It has to be a sin, not just something that he did that you didn't like, but a sin. Uh, rule number four is a public rebuke. Rebuke before all. Now I'm almost done here, so we'll have plenty of time, but... Uh, a rebuke that lets everybody know, everybody gets impressed with how serious this is and the, the office of a pastor is protected. Not only that, but if somebody has really been hurt, just imagine for a second, if somebody has really been hurt by that preacher, the people who are gonna have to heal up after that, it's gonna give them some closure to know that it was actually dealt with by the church. And... Um, and then it's gonna let other people know that we're supposed to lead a clean, upright life. We're supposed to live in good conscience toward all men. There's two dangers to avoid as we, as we close it on verse 21, two dangers to avoid. Uh, Paul said here, because he's saying, this is how serious it is, Timothy, he gives him a charge. He said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, this is important and the elect angels, heaven will witness the importance of this, that thou observe these things without preferring one another and doing nothing by partiality. So there's two dangers to avoid. The first one is prejudice. Don't prefer one over another. In other words, don't do it just because you don't like him. Prejudice. Don't discipline the pastor just because you don't like him or you don't like his stand or you don't like his wife. Can I tell you, this is, this is kind of gossip. It kind of is. But it's, I'm not going to say about anybody in particular and it's the case in a lot of situations. Have you ever known a pastor's wife to kind of be like militant and be like Mrs. Pastor and bossing all the ladies around and whipping them into shape and getting everything all organized? Have you ever known? If you've not, God bless you. 
You've been around some sweet pastor's wives. My wife is not like that, and I'm so thankful. I told her, I said, don't do that. Don't be like that, but she wouldn't. But if you've ever been around a woman like that, a, a pastor's wife that's like that can ruin a church. And, uh, but even if you don't like his wife or you don't like his kids, pastor's kids grow up and you've, always, you've already raised your kids and it's not your grandkids, you know, and you, you don't like them as much as you like your own grandkids. Sometimes pastor's kids can get on your nerves. I understand that. My mom told me flat out, she's like, some of the kids at church get on my nerves. Well, okay, that's a good example of when you should practice what the Bible says about living peaceably and having patience and so on and so forth. But I understand that. I don't like other people's kids that much. You say, that's terrible to say. Well, you thought it. I said it. Um, no, I, I love kids. I do. Um, when somebody else is controlling them and keeping them in line. But um, don't do it just because you don't like him. That's prejudice. And then you have the second danger, partiality. Don't withhold discipline because you do like him. That's wrong too. Partiality. You say, well, I like him. I don't want to hurt him. Okay. Uh, maybe he's a prominent leader in the community. Maybe he's really wealthy. Maybe people like him a lot. Maybe he's involved in a lot of stuff. And you say, I don't want to discipline him because, you know, to make a real big stink. If we do, well, you're warned, you're charged before heaven. If heaven is witness, don't avoid it just because you do like him and show partiality. So in doing it, say you have to discipline a pastor. In doing it, you always have to ask the question, just like Galatians 6, when you go and approach somebody. So what, what we had in that list, to come back to what you're saying there, brother, what we had was, if, if you know that somebody has sinned against you uh, or done something wrong, in the case of a pastor even, you can individually approach that pastor and say that, you know, you did something and I don't know if you meant to do it or not, but to me it felt like you didn't really care about me and I just wanted to talk with you about it. That's not a matter of church discipline or maybe I said something unkind, you know, and, and, uh, and you approach me. That's the thing. And then if I won't get it right, then you bring another person in. That's in here. You say, Why? Well, because if you see a, a sin, an ongoing obvious sin in a pastor, you have to first come with witnesses. So that's the only difference. But you're coming to that pastor not alone in this case because we're talking about something that needs to be handled before the church. You're not coming alone. You're coming with witnesses. That's the only difference. But you're still coming to him saying, this is the offense. But you're coming to him in front of everybody. Does that make sense? And then you got everybody there and depending on how he handles it and how you want to handle it, let's just say it's something like uh, money. Pastors uh, uh, maybe uh, been, you know, uh, had got sticky fingers. Well, I don't know if I'd want a pastor I couldn't trust with money in my church, but let's just say that, that you just thought uh, the way you're spending money, it's not wise or something like that. You wanted to do that. Um, but, but let's just say it's thievery. Then that's a matter of church discipline, right? Um, but let's just say that you just, you suspect him of some problem financially. I don't know that you'd want to call him out in front of the whole church over that because you might hurt people by doing it. You see what I'm saying? And you, you're, you, you have wisdom, you have experience, okay? But you have to ask yourself this question. 
Do we want him to keep being our pastor? Is he repentant? Is he, is, will he humble himself? Will he work with us? Will he admit wrong? Well, then you decide, do we want to keep him as pastor? If he's not repentant, I don't think I'd want a man like that leading a church. If he's really done something wrong, if it's not something that would just disqualify him for the pastor, but something that has to be dealt with, maybe he's just really mean or you heard him cussing out some kids in the park or something like that. I don't know. But if it's so serious that he can't continue in that role, then he has to step down. And it's the job of the church to vote him out. Okay, having said all that, do you think that's pretty fair? Um, pretty fair to the text? I think it is. I worked hard on trying to be able to uh, explain that and expound everything that's there for practical purposes. Now, having said that, um, what, I, what I won't do tonight is I won't meet with the trustees after church. But what I will do is I will meet with you right here.